So if I were to ask you, if you got yourself in a heap of trouble and you found yourself having to defend yourself in court, would you rather have a lawyer from Denmark or a Jewish attorney from Philadelphia? <laughs> so why? The key to that is in the gospel this morning, the first few verses. It says that the Jews were murmuring. Jesus said, I came from heaven, and they said, how can this be? We know his parents, we know his cousins, we know his family. How can he say this? So in Judaism, there are three places of worship. The Holy Temple, you knew that was in Jerusalem, but you probably didn't know there were actually three temples. One in Jerusalem, one in Alexandria, Egypt, and one in Aksum, Ethiopia. But the most important was Jerusalem. And that is where the sacrifices were offered. And then there was the synagogue, uh, which is also called a Beit HaTafila, a house of prayer. And then thirdly, there was something called the Beit HaMidrash. It literally means the house of arguments. And this is where the rabbis and the theologians and the rabbinical students and the, called the Talmudim, they would argue the finer points of theology and doctrine. They were trying to figure out God's will. It was a noble thing. It was a good thing. So they would do this by point-counterpoint in a kind of debate fashion. And that's exactly what spills over into the first part of the gospel this morning. We think they're miserable murmurers, but they're not. They've been trained to point-counterpoint with one another to try to find out, to try to figure out God's will. So when our Lord says, stop murmuring, he's saying, stop trying to figure it out. This is a matter of revelation of faith. You can't figure it out. I'm the bread that comes down out of heaven. That's not the homily. That was just a little bit of random stuff. (laughs) The first reading this morning takes us to Elijah in a wilderness. Elijah, I would suggest, is the most important, or at least one of the top important figures in the Old Testament. Now, I know what you're saying. No, that would be Moses. After all, Moses gave us the Ten Commandments, the law, and that's true. Moses laid the foundation for a civil and religious society. So the Ten Commandments are the foundation of Western law, and that's the reason why Moses faces the Speaker's desk in the House of Representatives in Washington. If you go to the House of Representatives, stand in the Speaker's desk where the President makes his, his State of the Union address, you'll look straight into the eyes of Moses. And there's a reason for that. Moses is facing the Speaker's desk to remind the chamber that God's law is higher than man's law. So that's the foundation of Western law. Also, the foundation of English common law, which is what our system of government is based on. And the reason why Moses, holding the Ten Commandments, is in the United States Supreme Court. Go into the Supreme Court chamber, sit where the Chief Justice of the United States sits, look up to your left, just about 2 o'clock. 
You look up at your, your left-hand side, and you'll see Moses standing there with the Ten Commandments in the nook of his arm. And the reason is because Moses established the foundation of a religious and civil society. So Moses is pretty important, but not as important as Elijah. Because Elijah, while Moses faces the past, and the past is important, Elijah takes us to the future. Elijah always points to the one who is to come, and so fills us with hope, expectation, and anticipation of a future, a future and a hope. But we don't find Elijah in that mood in the first reading today. He's in the desert, and he's so distraught that he says to God, just take my life. Just take my life. You know, there are times in our lives that we become so overwhelmed by circumstances out of our control, situations we didn't anticipate, profound losses, difficulty, in relationships. Perhaps it's a true loss, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a child, God forbid, the uh, loss of a marriage, a loss of a friend, a loss of a job. And then there are other circumstances that we can't seem to control. We hear so much bad news in the world and it just piles on. Then there are times when we face truly personal crises within ourselves. No one else knows about them. Nobody else knows what it is we're going through. It's a secret of secrets, and it's deep, deep down inside our souls, and we're so distraught over it, we begin to lose hope in life, and we just say, you know, it'd be better to be dead. It'd be better to be dead. My wife, Becky, and our daughter, Eva, uh, she's the fifth of five daughters. When our third child, second son, was stricken so ill with lupus, and he was in a ferocious lupus flare, and it really looked bad. It looked horrendous, terrible. It got to the point where both of us, Becky and I, were so distraught, so overwhelmed, so overcome, it seemed hopeless. We get to that point in our lives. Thank God Abe is alive today in remission, uh, and uh, they, I guess they just left, hun. They just went home to Charlottesville, Virginia, but we had uh, my son, daughter-in-law, and our granddaughter, who's just a little over two years old. She greeted me this morning. She was making pancakes with Granny, and I was in my blacks for church, and she was all covered in white flour for the pancakes, and she just gave me hugs and kisses, and you ought to see what a mess I am under here. It's like a badge, you know? Thank God. But there are times when we feel overwhelmed, almost hopeless, and we wonder, is life really worth living? But notice when Elijah makes this plaintive cry from the center of his whole being that God sends an angel. He sends an angel. I want to tell you, the name angel in Hebrew in the Old Testament, Malach. You want to say that with me? Malach. The name for angel is exactly the same for messenger or courier. And so God sends a messenger to Elijah in his distress. 
And the messenger shakes him a little bit and says what any good Jewish mother, or for that matter, Catholic mother, will say to somebody in trouble, eat something. (laughs) Eat something. And so Elijah doesn't feel like eating, so he eats a little bit, and he just goes back down. He's still depressed and anxious, and the angel comes again and says, God says, eat some more. Eats again three times. The end of that, he seems to be a little more enlivened, and he gets up, and the first reading tells us he takes a journey. And the journey is 40 days and 40 nights. Does that sound familiar to you? 40 days and 40 nights? What else is 40 days in the Bible? Who can tell me? Hmm? Jesus in the desert, right? That's where we get our 40 days of Lent. How about another 40 days? Noah and the rain, right? The flood, 40 days, right? How many years were the Israelites in the desert making their way to the promised land? 40 years. 40, there is something we call gematria in the Old Testament numerology, and numbers have meaning, and 40 means being able to stand against the wind and persevere, press forward, even though we're facing enormous adverse headwinds in our lives. And 40 symbolizes being able to continue on even when it seems hopeless and helpless. And so he begins a 40-day journey and a 40-night journey, but where is he going? He's going to the mountain of God. He's going to Horeb. We don't know about Horeb. We don't even know where it is, but we think it's the vicinity of Sinai because this is where God came and met the people and gave them the, uh, his word, gave them his law on Mount Sinai. But Elijah makes it through, and he makes his way to the mountain of God. He's able to rise out of the dark valley, out of the difficulty, out of the adversity, slowly persevering, even though... All the massive headwinds are against him. With God's help, his strength, he's able to persevere, and he makes it to the mountain. When we're facing these kinds of difficulties in our own lives, these painful periods when we feel like we just want to give up and throw in the towel and forget about it, God sends a messenger our way, maybe just the smile of a little child, maybe a friend, maybe someone offering a prayer for us. We don't even know it's happening, and suddenly we feel a little strength coming on, and we can persevere and move forward in the promise that we will reach the mountain. So if you're feeling this way in your life, or you know someone who is, and you've experienced these kinds of difficult headwinds, recognize that God sends to us who we need, when we need, and enlivens us and refreshes and renews us so that we have hope, so that we can make our way 40 days and 40 nights through the valley, the shadow of death, through the desert, and up to the mountainside, we can persevere and we can prevail.